Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 64. I'm two times to the power of eight, Kyle Gold. <laughs> you two I, are so gay. <laughs> I just... I meant two to the power of eight. I was saying eight times eight earlier, and I got my times and my powers mixed up. Or you could just say eight squared. Yeah, but we're not squares here. That's true. We're not L7. No. <laughs> wow, that like, doesn't work at all in front of a microphone. No, no. You just missed my L7 hand gesture, everyone. Hold it up to a mirror. You'll see what I get, or what I mean. <laughs> I'm Cam Hirosaki, and I am a square, apparently. <laughs> Hi. But that's okay, because it's hip. So, um, we're back here. It's yep. uh, it's winter in California, by which I mean it's sixty degrees and raining. Yeah, <laughs> and we're having fun. We had a great show last time. I want to especially call out thanks to Kit for um, pushing us to do that. It gets better segment because uh, we've gotten a couple compliments on it already. We actually oh, just good. released the episode a day or two ago. So. But uh, I think it came out really well, and uh, Kit seemed to enjoy it as he was producing it. So many thanks to our producer, Wolf, for pushing us to do new and interesting things like that that make the podcast better. I haven't listened to that episode yet. I just actually just finished listening to The Lightning Round. And, I like uh, The Lightning Round, too. The Lightning Round was really good. And then I'm also, I'm only a month and a half behind on my Star Wars gaming podcast. So, you know, I need to catch up on that, too. But Interestingly enough, we had, we had a question, which we didn't... Um, I don't think we got it in the email for this episode, but uh, somebody was asking about whether we, when we listen to podcasts, how far behind we get on our podcasts. I don't get more than two weeks behind on our own podcast, but I do get behind on other podcasts just because our podcast is generally between 30 and 45 minutes and other ones I listen to are like two to three hours, which is too long for a podcast, people. (laughs) Three hours is too long for a podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, that's like I two actually, movies. Come on, I actually don't listen to our own podcast uh, that frequently. That's okay. I do it for you, but and I listen to a few other podcasts. But uh, recently, I had some sort of change in a round of computers, and so I no longer actually have a computer I use regularly, which has iTunes on it. So I downloaded a whole bunch of podcasts, and then when I ran out of those, I stopped listening to them. So oh, I'm wow. like two or three months behind on all my podcasts now. I listen to us just to make sure that, you know, I'm up on our own banter and to make sure that I don't repeat myself too much. Star That's Wars. Good point. <laughs> I kind of figure I'm going to repeat myself anyway, so I'm not that worried about if it. If I'm a little glib this evening, I apologize. I'm currently on my fourth glass of wine already. Uh, I had three with dinner, and now I'm on to a, uh, a little micro vintner thing here called dusty pikachu i am not making that up i will tweet a picture of it later to prove it the wine is called dusty pikachu it's a pinot noir it's actually really good it's got a very interesting finish if i knew more about pokemon i could make some kind of joke about the finish there something about quick attack i don't know lovejoy we need your help give us pokemon advice give us your pokemon wisdom (laughs) (laughs) that was him this time lovejoy (laughs) he's lying um. Anyway, we got some we got some cool episodes coming up. This is sixty four, as I mentioned, and we are going to be doing episode number sixty seven, the 
not the return of the dead hookers in the hotel rooms, but we are going to be doing it from Sin City, Las Vegas. Oh, please. So much can happen between now and then. You can't promise that. <laughs> we are not planning for it to be return of the dead hookers in hotel rooms. We do hope to have a little bit more of an audience than one this time. So, Although we did have a good audience of one. Last oh, it was time. a very good audience of one. That's why we want more. Oh, yeah. Um. So we'll we'll see as it gets closer. We'll put out some more details there. If um, folks are going to be in Las Vegas, let us know. We might uh, we might be able to grab people for a small performance, impromptu somewhere. live show. Yeah, bang! All right. Although not really impromptu because we're planning it. Semi promptu. <laughs> Semi promptu. There you go. That sounds like another Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Semi promptu. I choose you. <laughs> <laughs> This is the one like every other attack. It's just a random attack. Yeah. We're super effective. And then when he grows up, he's impromptu. (laughs) Impromptu. I should be a voice actor. B-Hop, call me. And uh, next week we'll give updates on our our FBA characters. I know um, Blythe Knocked was off to a good start, scoring hot off the bench. I know that Devin Kellenine is on the bench still. He's not a starter. Well, so. all the characters are rookies, so generally oh, they're going yeah. to be on the bench. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if Kit is uh, not mic'd up this episode, so he's miming basketball, and now he's miming crashing the boards, and now he's miming yelling at the referees to call foul. Oh, and my, and now he's miming things we can't talk about on a G-rated podcast. Oh, wait, we're not one of those. No. <laughs> And he's not he's actually not doing that, that anyway. I know. You just try to turn everything dirty. Yes. <laughs> well, to, <laughs> to be fair, it usually already is. But, yeah. Um, oh, dude, then, sports does not need our help. No, that's true, as we found out tonight. Man, these young receivers just don't, just doesn't squeeze it enough to the inside. Squeeze it to the inside. Oh, my God. Yeah. Damn. That, that's also where blowing the huge opportunity and stuffed in the backfield came oh, from. Oh, yeah. So Football was weird this weekend, though. We'll anyway, see how angry I am after Monday night. We um we are building up to the very exciting episode sixty nine, which through no design of our own and actually by the way the calendar falls, ends up being our live show at further confusion. Yep, we have a time for it. I believe it's Saturday at ten p.m. Don't know where it's going to be yet, but it'll be on the schedule. They're very excited. Uh, for FC has been very helpful about. Uh, getting podcast stuff, and I believe actually the three of us will be on several panels relating to podcasts. Yes, I just I just got some email from Blackfeather, which I think I need to reply to. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure if I have yet, but anyway, Saturday night, further confusion, 10 p.m. We are going to have we have a couple special guests lined up. We have no one we can mention no by name yet. No one we can yet. mention yet. It's a mystery. We have to titillate them. Right, wrapped in an enigma. But it's going to be episode 69, it's going to be live at Further Confusion, and it's going to be awesome. If Kevin Smith wants to fly to San Jose at the last minute and be on our show, we will totally let him be on. Yes, we will. Kit says we're going to have him for episode 100. Yes. People who have Kevin Smith on their Twitter feed bombard him with the suggestion that he should contact us at unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com and ask to be on our show. Because he'd totally be a good fit for this. He, he would. would. Have a, he would. And he would have an awesome time. And he'd have, he'd, he would get great stories to tell out of it. If, if I had to pick one 
well-known celebrity who would be comfortable on a podcast talking about otter blowjobs, Kevin Gaga. Smith would be. Oh. <laughs> Lady Gaga would probably be number two, actually. She she'd be up there. We should get Lady Gaga and Kevin Smith on the same podcast. I think I think Lady Gaga would be more delighted by the prospect, whereas Kevin Smith would just kind of take it in stride and roll with it. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. He's Lady a- Gaga episode two hundred. There we go. <laughs> Kit, get on that. Um, no comment from you. Um, so let's see what else we've been we've been working on. We're um, we're getting busy month of December. Everybody's gearing up for the holidays, and um, Kit is about to communicate something to me through the magic of paper. Um, oh yeah, why did we talk about that already? We did not. Oh okay. That was this past week. Wow. Yes. So we, as uh, as listeners, faithful listeners of the podcast know, I have this book coming out in January called Isolation Play. It is the sequel to Out of Position. Starts about five minutes after the end of the first book. And Soma Wolf, in a somewhat surprise to me, decided that they would like to try putting out a hardcover edition. And it wasn't going to be like a hardcover release so that Everybody had to buy it in hardcover first and then paperback later. It was just going to be a sort of boutique limited edition thing, just a collector's item for a few people. And they had initially thought, we talked about it, we took pre-orders at Midwest, we got about 15 at Midwest, and so they thought, you know, we'll do a run of 50, that'll be good. I offered to hand number them to sweeten the pot a little bit. Um, They blew through, I think, something like 70 copies in six hours yeah. on Saturday. Um, Brer at Sofwolf had thought that he was going to put up these, like, uh, I don't know, maybe half that, and that it would last till December 15th. And they were gone in in six hours. Yeah. And then he put up two more batches on Tuesday at 8 in the morning and 8 in the evening. And the 10 that he put up in the morning were gone in two minutes. And the ones in the evening, I think he put up more than that, and I'm not sure exactly how many, but they lasted about... 15, yeah, 15, 15 20, to 20 something yeah. like that. So they are all gone at this point. However, because people keep asking, the pre-ordered hardcovers, the only difference between them and the rest of the run is going to be that we're going to I'm going to hand number the pre-orders and we are still trying to include like a little book plate with some extra special blotch art thing. Uh, and the pre-orders come with the Firebirds pin. Yeah. So by the time you're listening to this, it's already too late to get in on that, unfortunately. Right. But the remainder of the hardcover run, so Wolf is going to be bringing to conventions and selling. I don't know if they're going to be selling them online or not, but I know Brer has said they're going to bring them around to conventions. And while will, they last... I will be surprised if they don't sell out at FC. I don't know about that, but we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. Um, it's It's interesting that, I mean, you would think if they would be that popular at conventions that they would have sold more at Midwest because they were available there. Well... I think really a very small percentage paying of Paying money fandom, at a convention for something you're not immediately getting is kind of a hard sell. Maybe. But and I it's worth pointing I, out that the original Out of Position did sell out at FC when it launched. Um, but we'll also have the soft covers. Oh, right. At further confusion. That'll probably soak up some of the sales because those will be so, cheaper. They will be cheaper. They're about half the price. The hard covers are thirty nine ninety five, And... The hardcovers that you would buy from the rest of the run are going to be identical in content to the ones that are pre-ordered. There is no difference. And they are identical in content to the softcovers. There is no difference between the hardcover and softcover. Um, 
the later on in the spring, I'm going to be working with Sofa Wolf, and we're going to re-release the original Out of Position as a hardcover, same price. I'm going to include the bonus story that I wrote earlier this year, uh, False Dawn. I'm going to include that at the end as a bonus to the hardcover edition, just because, you know, for this book, nobody's bought it yet, so they can make the choice, hardcover or not. Out of position, I'm guessing most people that are fans of the book already bought it. So if I'm going to put something out there that is asking them to buy it again, I want to give them at least a little something for it. Yeah. Which is good for the collector mindset, I think. Yeah. I do not know if I'll be hand numbering those or not, but we'll at least be including some bonus material, so hopefully yeah. that'll All I know is that on the, the Saturday that the pre-orders were first up, I remember checking Twitter and Brer had posted to the SoFull Twitter that they were already more than halfway through uh, their number. I was actually in the middle of a Star Wars gaming session, and I was like, oh, crap. Like, this is going to be going for at least, like, another, like, four or five hours, and by the time this is over, they're going to be gone. So I actually had to order it on my phone. <laughs> Which I'm appreciate. Like, I'm like, I can't take it for granted that just because, like, I know where Kyle's house is that I'll actually get one of these books, so I had to make sure I ordered one. And... I'm. I was just really, really gratified. And everybody out there who's listening, who who pre-ordered one, or who or even who tried to pre-order one, um, thank you guys so much because I really did not anticipate that people would be so enthusiastic to run out and pay, you know, twice the price to get a hardcover edition. And that's why I was kind of adding on, like, I'll I'll hand number them, I'll I'll touch them with my own paws, and mm. I'll you know. I didn't offer to lick them. But Maybe I can use my suggested. status as a famous podcaster to can, uh, you know, do a, a hardcover of, of Summerhill as like a commemorative, oh my God, this book is actually coming out and see if we can get people to pre-order that. I'm sure that the dozens of people who are listening to this will be like, I'll, I'll buy a hardcover of Summerhill for you here, Saki-san, and, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Well, and also special thank you to Blotch because... Um, yes. Their their cover is just amazing, and they continue to put out just incredible work. Not only from the standpoint from the technical standpoint, but from the standpoint of knowing the story and knowing the characters, they bring them to life so effectively that it's it's always for me a little bit like discovering something new about my story that I didn't know before. I uh, so I have a cover artist semi on deck for Summerhill, and i'm really curious to see what they're going to come up with uh they have told me that they have a cover idea in mind i still like my cover idea i love your cover idea <laughs> and if this falls through i will totally have somebody else go with that i might just commission it anyway to be like the fan art cover <laughs> yay that could be for like the paperback and the other one can be for no, we'll see. um so anyway Thank you guys all for for the enthusiasm and the love you're showing to Devin Lee and Isolation Play. And I'm now nervously chewing my claws for the book to come out and people actually to read it and um, see whether they like it or not. We do, yeah, we do have a couple people. We have a couple copies out to reviewers. Um, I have two more pieces of book news. I will get through them really quickly because we've gone on yammering about stuff for a little bit too long already. Uh, I have completed, finally, the fabled Promised Bridges bonus story. It is being read by a small group of beta readers, and I hope to have it posted as a Christmas present before the end of the year. I'm also working on a um, 
a number of things with electronic books. I uploaded my first book to the Barnes & Noble store for Nook. Uh, Waterways is up there now. Uh, last month, uploaded Shadow of the Father to Kindle and had a very good month of Kindle sales. Thank you guys all for the for that book. I was really interested to learn that a lot of people buy the electronic copies, even though they already have the print copies, just to have a transportable copy of the book. You know, yeah. Is really cool. The other thing, I've, I've noticed this, especially with gaming books, and I've been talking about gaming a lot this podcast for some reason, and I'm not sure why, but they often offer bundles where for a discounted price you can get a print copy and a pdf copy of the same book like with the same purchase which i guess sort of you know leads into that thing where like you want the portable copy of this book but you also have you know like your digital you backup. love the print yeah. copy too yeah right which, which is cool and um i'll be continuing to do some other ebook stuff um i hope to have more books up for the nook this month that's just a question of me getting the time to sit down and it is December, so we will forgive you if you don't have a lot of free time. Yeah, but I do. Although it is, ebooks are not necessarily good Christmas presents, so I guess it doesn't matter much. But I figure people oh. will be traveling over the holidays. A lot of people give Amazon nice. gift certificates for presents. That's true. But all my books are up on Amazon already. But a lot of people want ebooks, as right. evidenced by the people bombarding you with questions on your FA and your LJ. <laughs> yes, Isolation Play, by the way, will not be coming out as an ebook simultaneous with the print and print release in January. It'll probably be the latter half yeah. of 2011. Nine to 12 months after. Something like that. Yes. Um, so Wolf has mentioned wanting to be a little more aggressive with putting the ebooks out there, but I still believe that at the very least they're going to want to take the print version to Anthrocon before we put out, or before they... Which makes sense. okay to put out an ebook. As we are still a niche market and they are still a small press, I think that is a, a sensible move. Yeah, and someday we'll do a show on where to buy your books to help out the authors and yeah. publishers the most. But today is not that day. So look for ebook news for me. Uh, I'm also, aside from just putting the books up on other platforms, oh, thank you, by the way, to loyal reader, loyal reader fan who emailed me with the contact information for Borders. Um, Borders has also an ebook store, which I think flies a little under the radar. But um, their wrinkle is that they require... Separate ISBNs for the ebooks, whereas Barnes and Noble and Amazon don't require them. So I have to go buy some ISBNs, which probably will not happen in December. So look for the Borders ebook stuff <laughs> to come up in January. And <laughs> ISBNs cost money, and free money is not in good supply in December. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the kind of thing where, given the amount of money the Amazon store makes me, and the relative popularities that I know of the Barnes and Noble and the Borders stores. Like, I've heard of the Nook, but I know it's less popular than the Kindle. I'm not even sure what readers the Borders EPUB versions yeah. go to. I think you can buy them for anything, but... Um, As I'm, a grand I'm nozzle thinking, myself, I'm not in on the whole e-reader thing, <laughs> so... <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not thinking that I'll make my ISBN money back in the first two months of sales from Borders or anything, but... Anyway, also working on a couple other little projects with ebooks to make them a little more interesting, experiment with a couple things because it's totally new and we want to see what people are up to. So yep. listen for news on that front. All right. My news is super brief. Um, we already talked about Siani's fortune teller poem anthology. Yes. Uh, we are both in that. Uh, we talked about how we're both in uh, heat together for the first time in many years. 
I have submitted a short story to another publication, but have not heard word back yet. Uh, I am still working on Summerhill. I am still working on Summerhill. I promise I'm still working on Summerhill. He is. And uh, I do have another short story idea that I kind of want to tell, but I don't know if I want to take a break from Summerhill yet for three reasons. One, because I'm not sure if I need to build up more mojo momentum on Summerhill. B, I'm not sure if there's more to this story than just a short story, and if it's going to turn into a novella on its own. And C, because I'm easily distracted enough and I don't need more in my brain right now. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And I got a proof from, uh, for the anthology of, from Circlet Press that I got oh, my story sold Oh, wonderful. To. Yeah. And uh, I actually, I read, I've read one of the stories and glanced at a couple others, and I, li- I like them. They're, um, I'm really feel, looking forward to reading that. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I actually feel um, much better, I guess, about being accepted to it. Like, you never... I know Circle Press has been around for a while, but I didn't know what kind of quality to expect. But the stories were the stories were good. The first one really grabbed me and kept me going, even though cool. it was straight. Well, hey, you know what? Also, it's five women and me in the anthology. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, you know what? Like most media out there is straight, and I do still enjoy media that is not specifically tailored for gay furries. So go figure. Yep. All right. Let's Shall get through some emails. Letters. Yeah. All right. Here's our first one. Hello, podcasters. It's time for a NaNoWriMo update from your nth favorite otter. Feel free to fill the N in with a number of your choice. I do not want to presume. I'm done. 135,000 words. That's almost three times a nano. Now I just have to run through it with a fine-tooth comb, have others run through it with their combs, run through it a few more times for good measure, and start preparing to send it off to a publisher. The last part of it is what I dread the most, but you can't publish a book without sending it to a publisher, so I haven't got any other choice. Well, you could self-publish, but... If you uh, think that after all this fine-tooth combing that it might be worthy for publication, then absolutely try to get it published. I do think he's missing a step where he has to run through it with a fine-tooth comb, break it into pieces and reassemble it, and then yeah. go through and run He says go through it a few more times and then send it off. It's like, yeah, be prepared to rewrite a lot of that and yeah. rebuild it like the $6 million man. Oh, gray muzzle reference. <laughs> oh, and I do have a question. Harry Potter 7 Part 1 proof that you sometimes need to uh, trim down a book way down to get a good movie? I recall one of you saying that a friend of yours threatened to walk out of the theater if the movie had too many camping scenes. Uh, That was me, and it was referring to one of my coworkers. I'm wondering if that friend made good in their promise. Uh, I'm not sure, because we're actually not coworkers anymore, uh, because it was a very campy movie. <laughs> Your channeling's on. <laughs> I apologize for that. As well, thank well you. you should. <laughs> Keep up the amazing work, Al Floor. Thank you, Al Floor. I actually have not seen Deathly Hallows Part One yet. Ooh, you yeah. should. It actually, it actually was a pretty good movie, and I gotta say that the camping bit was not overly yeah. irritating. Look, it came out while I while I was at MFF, and like all of my friends saw it without me, so I have no one to see it with. We didn't. Uh, well, you you saw it without me, just not an MFF. Well, not an MFF. <laughs> we didn't see it an MFF without you. Yes, I I will go see it because I've seen all the other six. So yeah, I'm. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll we'll hold off on talking about it till you've seen it. I, overall, I, I was, the book. Overall, I was quite pleased with it. I hear good things about it. I hear it's very bleak, which means it should appeal to me. Well, I mean, 
we don't want to talk about it until you've seen the tra- we don't want to talk about its adaptation to a movie until you've seen the movie okay well in that case when he talks about sometimes you need to trim a book way down to get a good movie I will look at Dune as an example of what happens when you don't trim a book down enough and you get a bad movie I realize that Dune is a science fiction classic both in terms of the book and the movie but uh if you read the book and then see the movie, your brain will explode because it will not be able to reconcile the two. Also, if you just see the movie, you'll be severely disappointed because it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. And in fact, I believe, and I was way too young for this, Grandma's all that I am, even uh, apparently when it was first released in theaters, some theaters actually had like cliff notes that they passed out with the <laughs> tickets. So it's like, here's what's going on that doesn't get explained. Because Dune is, it's, and I will say this, at least the first Dune is a very good book that you should read if you have the time and the effort and the perspicacity. Um, perspicacity is not the right word at no. all. Why do I want to keep using that word? Anyway, how, how <laughs> I keep using that word. <laughs> I do not think it means what you think it means. The diligence, there. there's a word to use. Um, I think it's a very good book, and I even like some of the rest of the series, although some of them are hit and miss. But it's very political, and it's very plotting, which doesn't make for, quote-unquote, like, good science fiction theater, which is kind of what they tried to do with it, and the whole thing just kind of falls apart. Right. I also recommend National Lampoon's Dune. Oh, D-O-O-N. Which, yes. uh... Which holds one of my favorite lines in parody literature. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you have to say it now. Um, it's one of the beginning of chapter quotes where he says, There should be a philosophy of feet for doing not walk about on our heads and think with our feet. <laughs> what do you mean, no, not really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If you're if you're not familiar with the Dune books, every chapter opens with like this little mini epigraph, which is like a quote from an in-universe source, right? And so parodying that, and it's always something super pretentious. Yes, so that that's actually super funny. Um, All right. Yes. Do you sometimes need to trim a book down to make it a good movie? Yeah, I would say yes. Clearly. Yeah. Look at Lord of the Rings, especially the second one. Yes. I mean, they don't. No, I'm, I'm agreeing. Yeah, they don't. They don't I'm, sing eight million times and go into super detail on what they're well, eating the first and when. One, I mean, all three of them. Actually, yeah, all three of them are pretty. The first, they, they cut out the whole Tom Bombadil bit. Yes, which I think was a good choice in the long run. Anyway, Kit has given us the. This is going to be an hour and a half long podcast. Look, so. Um, Hello, the three Ks. I did it. I managed to hit over 50,000 words in the month of November and with one day left to spare. I am quite proud of myself and of the story I produced. I know that it still needs a lot of work and that I will have to figure out where the different chapters start and end, but at least it's on paper, or at least on my computer, and I can take a break and come back to it when I feel I've had enough time to breathe from this stressful activity. I am glad that I got this story down on paper and following the adventure of these characters was quite interesting. I must say that some things within the story seem like I'm just stating facts, but that's where editing will come in, and I can make it go from just facts to a detailed story. I know that I probably have an over-excessive amount of sex scenes, and some of those may get cut later on, but that just comes with the job. I just wanted to say thank you to the three of you, as well as Candrel, for making this happen. Yes, I know Kit didn't seem to do anything. Kit does everything. <laughs> Kit does the show but it was because of him it. that the two of you have a show, and it was because of the show that I met Kendrell. So while the three of you helped me, I have to thank Kit the most for helping to bring everything together. He's like sticky wolfy glue. 
Um, <coughs> uh, what was I doing? <laughs> uh, oh, you guys have been a big inspiration, and hopefully next year I can join you in the ranks of heat. Congrats on all of your projects, and good luck on all of your future products. Thanks, Sachina. Thank you. Congratulations to yes, you on finishing. Definitely congratulations. I know I'm not very good at getting out 50,000 words in a month myself. It's no, not as easy as it sounds. It's not. I mean, that's over 1,000 words a day, so... I, I know it doesn't sound easy at all, but it's still not even as easy. It's, not, it's harder than it sounds, yeah. even though it sounds really hard. <laughs> even to Kyle, who explodes novels at this fantastic supernova I rate. I, I, even when I was writing 1,000 words a day, I don't know that I wrote 50,000 in a month. Mm, that's true. I know that even like your 90-day first draft novels still only usually come out to around 120, which is still less than 50,000 a month. I mean, if you count emails and I can do other math. stories. Yeah. Oh, God. I made a tweet earlier about how, like, oh, man, I need to be able to write more than, you know, 600 words in two and a half hours. And somebody responded with, if it makes you feel any better, now you're up to 616. <laughs> awesome. All right. Go on. Okay. Next email. Good morning, amazing hosts of Unsheathed. I hope it finds you in a well-lubricated mood. Well, I'm lubricated by wine. Kyle posted in his live journal a reminder to write in and talk about our progress on NaNoWriMo, so here I am. Though I was only participating alongside it whilst I worked on my novel, I did manage to get 137,000 words done before my harsh novel mistress let me finish the tale. I started October 8th and ended in late November, so I guess you could say I succeeded in the challenge even though I started a month early and wasn't even competing to begin with. See, straight people have harsh novel mistresses. <laughs> yes. I think we have harsh novel time dogs. <laughs> One of us does. I do want to thank you both for your podcast and the support it gives writers within the fandom. It's good to be able to listen to two successful writers. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that successful. About the craft and their experiences within it. It provides motivation, generates excitement for one's own creations, and educates. If I wore a hat, I would tip it to you fine gentlemen. I do have a question, Kyle. I have scoured the podcast for mentions of the program you use to keep track of places, characters, etc. that operates like a wiki, but it eludes me. Could you help me out and mention the name of it again? Many thanks in return. Thank you for this wonderful podcast, and may you have continued success. Your friendly neighborhood Spiderfolf voice. Spiderfolf. I don't know if I want to reveal my secrets to something with eight legs and four eyes. <laughs> I mean, really four eyes, not just glasses like you. By the way, you you podcast listeners, you can catch uh, Voice regularly. He does a segment on Unfurled called uh, The Voice of Reason, where he usually talks about relationship things and social issues within the fandom. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. Does he kill his mate? <laughs> they have made, you know, killing and eating your mate jokes to and about him at points, I believe, if I remember correctly. All right. But yes, reveal your secrets, Kyle. Oh, uh, so the program's called Wiki D-Pad. I don't know why D-Pad. Every time I think D-Pad, I think of a game controller, but yes. Um it's called Wiki D-Pad. Just all like that, no spaces or punctuation or nothing. See, you know, being from the FBA Plymouth area myself, I want to call it Wicked Pad. My, Dude, this program is Wicked Pissa. <laughs> it totally lets you keep track of all your stuff and your stories. I thought you were from the Okinawa area. <laughs> Okinawa, dude. Okay, people from Okinawa speak funny. They don't even speak Japanese. Oh, okay. They speak Uchinaguchi, which is like its own language. We got another letter which I didn't use, with which the first sentence is written in Japanese, or 
something that I'm hoping is Japanese, because otherwise it's not going to be <laughs> readable by any of us on this podcast. I'll look at it. Uh, so there you go, WikiDPad. And congratulations on getting a novel draft And done. congratulations yeah. on your novel draft. 137,000 yes. words is uh, considerable. It is. Um, side note, OpenOffice has weird word count issues sometimes. Yeah, mine's not having that, but I don't know if we're on different versions. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Anyway. Dear Kyle and KM, because you asked during the lightning round episode, I'm replying to say that the two authors I didn't name, common users of self-insertion, are in fact not Laurel K. Hamilton nor Dan Brown as speculated. I'm not saying they don't do it, they just weren't the ones I had in mind. I did specify, after all, that they were authors whose work I still enjoy. Well, I still like some of Laurel K. Hamilton before she jumped the shark. And I, Basically everything up until Obsidian Butterfly, and then you can stop. And I enjoy Dan Brown in the same way I enjoy candy corn. <laughs> uh, candy corn is foul. Yeah, but one of them, <laughs> just to remind you of the taste of it, you know, that you used to enjoy it as a kid. Oh my god, like KFC. Yeah? Where it's just like, oh man, KFC. And then it's like, oh, I forgot how much I hate KFC. <laughs> I actually haven't had it in a while, so I still think I like KFC. But uh, Don't. And now a question. Are there any signs, beyond word count, that a short story has the potential to become something bigger like a novel? From your longtime fan, Mythic Fox. Get rejected well, from heat. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I know. <laughs> that was actually fairly awesome. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that you had the most experience with that recently. Mm-hmm. Because the... Well, a year ago. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, basically, it's just if the if the characters don't let go of you, if you finish the short story and you're like, I want to talk more about them, I think yeah. their journey beyond the story is interesting, or the way that they arrived at the beginning of the short story is interesting. And, right. I mean, that's what happened with um, Vol and... And yeah. fortune and everything. I wrote this short story, and then I was like, "Well, how did this fox end up in prison?" And mm. then when I'd written that novel, I was like, "Okay, I've set up a whole lot of crap here. What happened about all that when he went to prison, and then afterwards?" Yeah. And that became another novel. Ask yourself, you know, have you done justice or have you done service to the idea? I mean, there's a difference between leaving questions in the reader's mind and leaving questions in your own mind that you think are worth still asking. Right. Which, if that makes sense to you, then you're a writer. Awesome. Go on. All right. <laughs> Gentlemen and Liz. <laughs> A lovely little out-of-position reference. That makes me wag. Yes. Does Devlin have an embarrassing victory football dance? And if so, what is it? Performing in the act of coitus with Lee does not count. Yours very drunkenly, Zap. Um, well, since you provided that one exception, um, no, not yet. However, I will say that uh, someone does attempt to teach him one in the third book. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's going to be your first teaser for book three, which is not coming out for another two years and a month. So Yeah. And I will say that uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, T.O. had a very entertaining uh, victory dance whenever he was playing on Sunday night, which was like two or three weeks ago. I forget what game that actually was. Dev, being a defensive player, Dev doesn't get to do touchdown dances very often. No, although if he were to score a defensive touchdown, that would be quite a uh, momentous moment. Indeed. Foxes, otters, fellow wolves, lend me your electronic ears. 
Anyway, I was having a conversation with a friend earlier about the content in the fandom. They were under the impression that it was dominated by gay males, while I was more of the opinion that gay males were a simply loud and more visible part of the fandom. They then cited my own work against me, so I decided to come up with a tally. He's not the only one who's had that idea no. recently. While most of my stories actually have straight content, there has been a recent spike in gay stories, and my most popular stories are gay. So, is the fandom largely gay and or appreciate gay stuff more, or are they, like I said, a more vocal and visible section of the fandom? Cheers, Furnace Hemingway, previously known as Pyro Stinger. <laughs> P.S. I will continue these until you read one of them on air, damn it. We've been reading his now stupid we, names and, on air. And now we have. <laughs> um, Pyro's actually on our coast now. I keep telling him, well, by keep telling him, I mean told him two days ago. Uh, keep telling him to come up and, and uh, be on the podcast. I would love we to owe him a dinner for podcast. his challenge stories. Yeah. Oh, and we need to give him another challenge story. Ooh. Should we say that till the end? Yeah. Okay. Maybe Kit um, can coach us. So, briefly, we have, of course, thought about this quite a bit. I mean, yes. The, one of the things that I hear quite often about my work is that, well, of course, gay stuff is most popular, so that's why my gay stories are more popular. And I think there is something, at least something to that. Um, you know, the yeah. the rejoinder is, well, there's a lot of people writing gay stories out there in the fandom who right. are not writing novels and also, such. Also, you but, yourself are gay, so you're going to be more inclined to write gay stories. I would right. Just well, matter yeah, of course. I mean, it's not like... It's not like I'm pandering is not the tone of the comments. It's oh, just yeah. kind of like he happens to write the stuff that's popular. Well, I have heard that accusation against female furry artists that they just draw gay art to pander to the audience, which I you know I think female, is equally rude to yeah, no, insinuate. Um, and besides which, the female furry artists I know who draw gay porn really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. yeah. The ones I've talked to about it certainly seem to enjoy it. Kit and I actually attended a... Uh, attended a lesbian comedian show and she went through a whole segment on how much she loves gay porn and she loves to see gay men doing stuff to each other as long as they're not doing it to her well that's something else i have in common with lesbians so um <laughs> that women women love gay porn anyway the um the one of the the theories that i have about why gay literature is more prevalent and more popular is that there's simply not as much gay literature available outside the fandom. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you want a straight romance, you can get a straight romance. Go into the science fiction section, any book that has any romantic subplot in it is likely to be straight romance. So if you want kind of your furry straight romance, it's out there already. Yeah. But there is no, there's barely any gay romance, you know, with apologies to the... Um, Many, many, many books reviewed by Eliza Roll and uh, yeah. other people out there. I mean, there's there's a lot of the books being published, but there's very little in comparison to the rest of the, whatever it is, two million, one million books published every year. Romance is a huge genre, too. It's yeah. a big seller, and it's like one of the largest publishing markets, if I remember correctly. So, so I kind of feel like the gay stuff is is more popular not necessarily because there are more gay people in the fandom nor because they're intrinsically more loud and more visible but because nobody else is writing gay stories for them yeah and i mean i think that's true of a lot of you know furry media 
again, I've said this before, but for the most part, we only have ourselves to cater to, which is why when you get something like, you know, like a furry comic or, you know, this, that, or the other thing, even if it's not that good on an intrinsic level, it will be super popular because it's the only thing of its type, like, to be you know, soaked up by the fan base. Right. Which, I mean, I think, you know, is in support of your point. Um, you know, it's the similar um, idea, but just promoted to the whole yeah. fandom. And so it's like, you know, like, is gay stuff more popular? I think that if you look at stories and artwork on FA, I would say that the bulk of the popular stuff is gay. If you look at the popular artists... You know, with like, you know, no. Adam Wan and Blotch. There's Adam a lot Wan, of Adam male, male does, stuff. Yeah, he does a lot of gay stuff, but he does a lot of straight stuff, yeah. too. But he, Yeah, that's true. But he does do a lot of gay stuff, too. And I do think, and I, we had this argument at Rainforest, and I don't believe we had it on mic, but um, I do believe that a lot of the science fiction and fantasy that's out there contains a lot of romance elements, contains a lot of oh, yeah. sex. Yeah. And... Just they don't label it as such because something other people have said is that well, there's a lot of you know a lot of adult books dominate the literature in the fandom, which you know I've already said. I know knowing so forth and Fur Planet's release catalogs. Yeah, there is um, plenty of non-adult stuff out there to buy. There is uh, plenty. We did. We should have done a tally back at Midwest, but that yeah. would have been sort of pushing a point. But there we go. Anyway. That's the third time we're talking about doing tallies of stuff. We'll do that next time, maybe. Which goes along well with your t-shirt today. <laughs> science. For science. We must do it for science. Uh, so anyway. Blow up the moon, Earth's ancient enemy. Um, I really think that if you write good stories, mm-hmm. you will find your audience. Um, yeah. I mean, this... Yeah. And it's one of those things where, you know, you might get more hits on your stuff because of, you know, oh, like, my my gay stories are more popular because, you know... That's where all the gay people are going, but you know your straight fans may have other outlets that so they don't need to scour. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I, don't, I can't judge whether the gay gay art is more popular because that's mostly all I look at. Yeah. So, anyway, although I did like there was a a straight piece which prompted my dictionary dot com post the other day. Which one? Um, God, was it? It was. It was either. Oh, dem- adverse and averse. Yeah, it was yeah. either Demi Kerr or Jailbird. Okay. And yeah. it was two vixens with cups of coffee or hot chocolate or something. And they were both Kitsune vixens. And okay. So, yeah. And people were... Somebody was asking about whether they wear underwear, and the owner of the character said they're both adverse to wearing underwear. <laughs> and I was just like... <laughs> Wrong word. <sighs> no. no. Well, you know, knowing either of those words at least puts you in like a certain vocabulary echelon. <laughs> so, but well, yes. But then, but then I remember, I've heard people described as risk adverse as well which is also oh oh, oh my it's like oh it's like nails on a chalkboard <laughs> all right read another letter uh oh real quick since we do like to do book recommendations on this podcast and people seem to take our book recommendations seriously if you are looking for a non-furry gay romance suggestion i will throw it almost like being in love oh yeah, yeah, by, yeah. Uh, i think oh. we've talked about steve kluger that's right yes k-l-u-g-e-r yeah he's awesome yes that's a very good book and in fact if uh, if any of you guys have thoughts out there on the best books of this year that you've read, um, yeah. we will try to go over that in our Las Vegas show or the one right after that, depending on how many letters we get in. Yeah. Um, separate. I, I know I don't usually do well keeping up with what's come out this year. So if you've read other books 
that impressed you that did not come out this year? Um, and uh, now, I'm, now I'm asking it to get too detailed. I was going to say separate out into fandom-produced books like, you know, Fur Planet, Sofa Wolf, um, but then sort of other books and books that came out this year versus other books that are just notable that you enjoyed. And we'll we'll sort of pick through the emails and, um, wow, we really need an intern to pick through emails for us. Anyway, let's read the last letter. All right. Dear K-Name Podcasters, I think it's not a stretch to say that Kyle is the most successful and wed- well, wide-read author in the fandom. Besides the other oh, listeners of this podcast that I personally know and converse with, Pyro and Candrel, no one in my furry circles knows who Kyle is. While anecdotal you evidence tell them. Yeah, exactly. Why are you not telling them? While anecdotal evidence isn't useful, I don't know if I agree with that, it's at least an indication to me that writing is simply not that well noticed in the fandom. Or maybe it's just a backup of Pyra's point that not everything has to be gay. Yep. What can we do to step up the recognition of writing in the fandom? Do a podcast. If all it took was to just continue doing what we are doing, writing good stories and putting them out there, then wouldn't we have more recognition than we do now? A good product needs more than quality alone. It also needs marketing to make people aware it exists in the first place and that it is of good quality. Is there anything else we can do to get furries to pay more attention than they are now? From Rashan. Well... I would argue that they're paying more attention now than they were two years ago or five yes. years ago or ten years ago. Yes, and that's and, a good point to mention is that, you know, oh, it's like, you know, what can we do to get them to be doing it more? It's like, well, they are doing it more than they used to. Right. And if you, I mean, my, I, I think I mentioned this before, but if you go look, go back and look at the Ursa Majors, yeah. um, before 2006, if you looked at the best novel category, um, I think there was only one year where there were three fandom-produced novels. Otherwise, it was two or one. Yeah. Um, since 2006, I want to say there have been at least three every year, and some years four. Yeah. Um, occasionally, we'll get sort of a non-fandom novel in there, like the Watership Down one this past year. Um, Claire Bell's book, I kind of count on the borderline, because yeah. it, is, it is mainstream published. But, but she's, she's also... also she has pretty much jumped into fandom. She has jumped into the fandom, which is very For, cool. Yeah, which and is cool. And she's really cool. She is cool. I actually really enjoyed meeting her at FC, and I'm glad she's going to be back. Um, so, there's, you know, the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah. You can only push right and so far. And really, the best thing that we can do as writers to increase awareness of writing in the fandom is write stories that make people talk about yeah. them. And, like the said, best, you know, yeah. and the best thing that you can do as readers is when you encounter people who have not read stuff that you think they'd enjoy, is you sit them down and you say, look, you're going to read this book. Yeah. I've had numerous people email me and say, I don't normally read, but my friend thrust a copy of Out of Position into my hands and said, you need to read this book. And I read it, and then I went out and bought a copy. Yeah. And I mean... Yeah, believe it or not, there was a time in furry fandom history where it wasn't all, hey, go to a con and buy the latest Kyle Gold book. Like, I knew, you know, Kyle and then, you know, showed up at a con and saw that he had a book and he hadn't even told me he had written a book. And I was actually mad at him for it. He did. I came back from this was, me. This was Anthrocon 2005, which was uh, the last year it was in Philadelphia. And I came back and, like, the 
one of the first things I did after I got the settlement at home was I sent him an email saying, you didn't tell me you wrote a novel? That might be the first time you called me a son of a bitch. <laughs> first of many. Yeah, first of many. It was certainly not the last time I called you that. Have <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned right. that you're my best friend? To make, to make up for it, I'll do a podcast with you for a year and then embarrass you <laughs> on it. <laughs> In the most spectacular fashion possible. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, he's asking, you know, what can writers do, you know, beyond just writing good stories? Talk about Really, that's the best thing we can do. And once people start believing that there's good stuff to read, they will look for other stuff. And if there is good stuff to find, then they'll read that and they'll keep going. It will sort of be like a self, you know, sustaining cycle once we get enough stuff out there. And like, as Kyle mentioned, and, you know, as I think that we also touched on at least briefly during our FFM episode, you know, before 2005 and, you know, like there was a sort of, you know, dry spell where we really weren't creating our own fiction. And well, People, people were. A lot of it was short oh, stories. people were, yeah. Yifstar was active still, although not as active as it is now. That's true. Um, the TSA was quite active back in those days, yeah. too. And that has kind of fallen off a little bit, I think. Yeah, I mean, I jumped on Yifstar in 2002. Right. I remember that. And I remember, like, I have stories that are in, like, the triple-digit tag. So. Wow. Um, so, there were small groups doing stories, but it wasn't. There was there was nothing getting it out to the fandom. There were a lot of fanzines, and in fact, Sofawolf did a project about, gosh, eight years ago now, um, called Best in Show because mm-hmm. one guy in the fandom had collected all these fanzines over the years, and he wanted to preserve the stories that were in them. And sort of ironically, that's like the one Sofawolf title which is out of print and they don't ship around cons anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I have, like, in storage somewhere a bunch of old issues of, like, Yarf and stuff like yeah. that. Yep. If you listen to this podcast and know what Yarf is or remember it... <laughs> um, I will... Uh, I know we have a lot of young listeners. They probably don't know Yarf. <laughs> nope. I, at one point, got a story in Yarf. Really? Under my original name, not under... Not as Kyle. Kyle didn't exist when he was out. I will have to look that up. I feel safe in revealing it since there are like 50-odd issues of Yarf and yeah. uh, a story or two in each issue. So people can... <laughs> Do not try to cross-reference Yarf and try to figure out what Kyle used to go by. Yeah. Although it might help you eliminate some people, but anyway. <laughs> well, you have to be old enough that you wrote them back when Yarf was around. Yeah, I, I, I did it in the middle. Of, I did it during recess, so... Yeah. Um, all right. Challenge story for Pyro, and then we'll wrap this up, I think. Uh, okay. Thank you, actually, for the, the questions, Rashawn and Furnace Hemingway. Yes. Um, all right. Since he's, since he's going by Furnace Hemingway, <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him for a story set during the Spanish Civil War. Okay. Then I will pick a species that is native to continental Europe. I will go with... Three, two, one, badger. And Kit is contributing bull. Okay. So a badger and a bull. I wasn't thinking Spain. I was just thinking Europe. Right, They do have badgers in Europe. Badger and a bull. Spanish Civil War. Uh, Any gender. Any any gender. Uh, If you you really want to be challenged, you could write a lesbian story. Because there's very few of those. But... I think Pyro I would enjoy some female on female. 
Oh, bulls. Yeah, a bull wouldn't be. Yeah, a bull is okay. kind of male. So the so all right. So it has to be either straight or gay. Straight or gay, or bi. And uh, let's let's each give him uh, a prop or a location. Okay. Um, I am going to give him a location. I'm going to do an open air market. All right. Um, Kit's prop is a bottle of wine. And I'm going to add a painting by Pablo Picasso. (laughs) There you go, Pyro. Set during the Spanish Civil War, a badger in a bowl with a bottle of wine and a painting of Pablo Picasso. And at least some part of the story takes place in an open air market. All right. If you need inspiration, feel free to pop in a DVD of Pan's Labyrinth. (laughs) (laughs) Or, uh, which is the Hemingway one, The Sun Also Rises, or is it A Farewell to Arms? I'm just remembering South Park's take on The Old Man in the Sea. (laughs) Good Lord. Well, congratulations to all of you guys who wrote in and finished NaNoWriMo, and all of you guys who did not write in and finished NaNoWriMo. Two people hit over 130. Right. That's a lot. That is a lot of work. Actually, I saw a voice posted on FA like, how does this compare to like a mainstream novel? I'm like, that is longer than a lot of mainstream novels. Yeah, mainstream novels. Yeah, 70 to 90. around 70 yeah. to 90, yeah, for fantasy at least. Some of the epic science fiction ones, I'm sure, go over 120. Oh, yeah. Like Kim Stanley Robinson. Oh, yeah. Kim Stanley Robinson writes tomes. He doesn't write books. He does now. He used to write books. The uh, the yeah. California trilogy is, right. is pretty contained. But the, the Mars trilogy is dense. Oh, God. Um, you could bury a lot of furs under those books if you tried. <laughs> is that a story you're planning to write? Not. Buried under Kim Stanley Robinson books? Hey, what, what's the rule where if it exists, there's a fetish of it? Uh, oh, wait, no, that's rule 34. There is porn <laughs> of it. That's right. Duh, it's the most well-known rule of all. I'm I'm glad that so far I've not found any rule 34 of the of Pascal. Oh, God, thank you, please. There is rule 34 of the horse, of course. Uh, I'm sure there is. I'm but, not looking for it for three reasons. No, I'm not either. Anyway, uh, congrats to everyone who finished NaNoWriMo. Excellent work. Thank you guys for all the questions. Uh, Las Vegas in three episodes, which is four weeks. Episode 69 in six weeks. Yep. Just over a month. Yeah, we're going to be taking Christmas weekend off. Right. As is our habit. Yeah. Now. This goes Christmas. Right. Go spend it with your family. Don't listen to our podcast and shut yourself out. Oh, and happy Hanukkah, which I believe it still is as of the time of this recording. Um, sure, why not? Nobody th- knows when we're recording except the three of us. So, <laughs> yes, true. it is still Hanukkah as of the time of this recording. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. I think it's the sixth night, which I think means and, Kislev might be over. <laughs> and uh, and everybody get ready for, for Kwanzaa. Reinforce your walls for Kwanzaa bot. <laughs> but isn't it the last night of Kwanzaa? Man, who the hell knows? <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, what? Oh, Robonica. Robonica. It's yes. a Robonica miracle. Get your oil ready for Robonica. And set um, your Bachman turners to overdrive. <laughs> Another gray muzzle joke. Uh, or a uh, Canadian joke. Hi, unfurled. I'm, uh, write us at unsheathpodcast at gmail.com with your end of year book recommendations. Um, end of year book recommendations. 
and of your book recommendations. Yes. And write us with your writing questions. Oh, you can find me as Kyle Gold on Twitter, all one word, Kyle Gold on Live Journal, and just Kyle on FA. And I am just KM Hirasaki on all three of those. And you can find Kit as Kit Silver on Twitter. Yes. Follow him. He's cool. He's cool. He doesn't tweet a lot. And he's fun to follow because he wags his tail. He does wag? Oh, hey. Do um, you like wolves? Then I have, I got a Twitter feed for you. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's not making that face. All right. Oh, he's making a face. That's <laughs> not the one we wanted him to make. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Good night, and keep writing. <laughs>